Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, listeners, you may have noticed something a little different in your podcast player. In the spirit of New Year, New You, we decided to give ourselves a 2022 makeover. Instead of the old yellow legal pad, look for our new sky blue cover art with the paper airplane. Hopefully, it'll lift your spirits while we keep solving your problems. You know, I do have some memories of maybe one uh, crawling on my leg uh, for a second and then jumping off. Was it when you were little? Yeah, I think it was in the shower, which was worse. Because I think it came out of the drain, crawled over my leg and went back to the drain. I'm Amanda Ripley. Welcome to Fear Factor. Just joking. This is still how-to. There will be no jumping off of buildings or live burials or creepy crawly monsters, at least not until later. But we are going to help you face some of your more irrational fears today. For our listener Peter, the monster in his closet, so to speak, is a small but wily little demon that dates all the way back to the Jurassic period, about 200 million years ago. Yes, we're talking about the cockroach. I I know they can't really hurt me, but ever since uh, I was a child, I I was pretty scared of them, sort of uh, paralyzed. Peter is a chemist who lives in Israel, and every year, starting in April, cockroaches are suddenly everywhere, including occasionally in his apartment. In your house, when they run away, it's it's not good because you don't know where they are. <laughs> They're still there, right? Yeah. And then you open some sort of kitchen cabinet and uh, he jumps at you. So I, yeah. yeah, no, I hear you. If I see a rat when I'm walking through the streets of DC, that's one thing. But in my yeah. house, that's an, that's my castle. Do you know? Like I need I need to know that's safe. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I just moved in here. It was uh, June or July, and. One of my cats was uh, staring at the window and I had the window open with like uh, a net, a mosquito net. And I saw that uh, there was a cockroach uh, basically sitting on the net. By the time I reached the window, the cockroach was gone. And one minute later, I see the cat uh, chasing something. Mm. And uh, I immediately knew that uh, it was uh, inside the house. So how were you feeling during this chase? Pretty anxious, I guess. I, I felt, uh, you know how you, you feel your pulse. I felt my pulse. And my girlfriend was uh, in the apartment at, uh, at the time. You know, I, I can't really hide my, uh, my fear or disgust sure. of them, but I had to be like uh, extra brave. So <laughs> you felt like you had to be the man and kill this. Yeah, thing. exactly, mm. exactly. And then once you managed to capture the cockroach and dispose of it. Were you nervous that there were more cockroaches in its wake? Oh yeah, yeah, like like shadows uh, mm-hmm. or like uh, flickering lights in the co- in the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. 
Peter is not alone. Humans have been disgusted by cockroaches since basically forever. The Egyptian Book of the Dead, written 3,000 years ago, includes a spell for banishing cockroaches. And it is no wonder, right? I mean, they're slimy, unpredictable, and relative to their size, one of the fastest land animals on Earth. But looking at it logically, it doesn't quite make sense to loathe cockroaches as much as we do. I mean, they aren't disease vectors like ticks or fleas, and they don't feed directly off of our blood. In fact, if we should be repulsed by any insect, it should definitely be the mosquito. And yet, roaches are way, way more disgusting. I get the sense, because you are a scientist, that yeah. you like to, you know, think rationally through things. You think of yourself as a rational person. Is that part of why this kind of bugs you, no pun intended? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is part of it. It's also the helplessness. Like, I know I shouldn't be scared, but I can't help but being scared, so... So the fear of the actual threat, the cockroach, and then there's also the sense of powerlessness over your yeah. reaction. I mean, I'm always asking myself, what's the problem? Why can't I reach my hand and grab it? But I can't. On today's show, we're confronting the fears that we know are silly on some level, but we just can't seem to get past. Peter is suffering from cazzaritophobia, the fear of cockroaches. But there are a lot of other irrational fears out there. And so to help Peter and really all of us deal with our fear of bugs or needles or heights, we've brought in somebody who's been treating phobias like this for the last 30 years. It's a surprisingly fun conversation. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Our expert today is Dr. Elizabeth McMahon, a veteran clinical psychologist based in San Francisco. 
Elizabeth, do you have any irrational fears? Oh, goodness. Um, I do a lot of public speaking and webinars and workshops, and I get scared before everyone. I mean, I got scared before this podcast today. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) And I've come to say to myself, well, it's because... I'm doing something that I care about passionately that I think is important. And uh, I call it vibrating mode. I've just Hmm. gone into vibrating mode. Hmm. If I said, oh, my gosh, I've got to not be scared. I've got to not be scared. Oh, you just lost the war right there. Hmm. Because if we controlled our amygdala, the treatment for any kind of fear, panic or anxiety would be, well, don't be scared. And you'd be like, "Oh, oh, my gosh, you're right. (laughs) <laughs> right wouldn't that be a wonderful yeah. world <laughs> it's, a, it's like the perfect uh, the perfect remedy is calm down right right, right. that's right. the last thing you ever want to say to someone who's upset <laughs> yeah exactly i love elizabeth's idea about reframing anxiety as excitement which seems totally doable for public speaking but it's a little harder to imagine getting excited about confronting a cockroach You know, what Peter's describing is so common, and phobias often start in childhood, like Peter's described. You know, when Peter talks about um, this conflict between his rational side and yet, on the other hand, feeling like he can't help being scared, he gets scared and he feels helpless over, why can't I not be scared if I know rationally that they're not dangerous. And that's sort of the classic conflict, the classic dilemma with any kind of irrational fear. Hmm. And I've come to describe what goes on in the brain as kind of like a, a, a fight between the lower level of our brain primarily the amygdala. I tend to call it the reacting brain, which is primitive and has an automatic response to what it thinks might be dangerous. It's your protector. It's your bodyguard. It's devoted, but it's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Like a not-so-smart guard dog. Yes, yes. So you get this immediate, visceral, physical, emotional response from the reacting brain. And then kind of you got the, you got the rational thinking brain coming afterwards, sort of saying, well, now, well, wait, hold on a minute. Let, let's just, but by that time, the adrenaline's pumping through your body, your heart's going, you're flooded with disgust or fear. And the thing is, it's so automatic, it can misfire. And once it's accidentally learned or incorrectly learned that something's dangerous or more dangerous than it is, it doesn't forget. Because remember, it's your bodyguard. (laughs) So here's our first takeaway. Don't be ashamed of your guard dog. It's trying to protect you, even when it's wrong. Almost half of Americans have some fear of flying. One in four are afraid of public speaking. But as involuntary as these fears are, the evidence shows that people can actually get much better at responding to them. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're right. The instinctive response 
is to act as if you're being threatened, as if you're in danger. Mm. Like Peter's talking about, hyper alert, hyper vigilant, looking for the cockroach, uh, jumping at shadows. Yeah, that sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) But what you want to do with any kind of fear is you want to have like a dialogue between these two parts of the brain. You want to basically say to the fearful part of your brain, what is scary about the cockroaches? Ooh, let's ask this. Peter, what is scary about the cockroach? I like that question. (laughs) The first thing that uh, kind of uh, scares me or disgusts me is when I see the the antenna. Ah. So shady, uh, yeah. As, especially if I if I'm in the position where I see it before I see the cockroach, so that mm. that happened a few times. It's like the color, the dark brown color, the size, and especially the speed which they move because they move quite fast. I don't know how it's like in the in the states, but over here when they open up their wings and fly inside the apartment. We have those in the South in the U.S., and they mm. call them palmetto bugs, as if that makes it any better. Uh, <laughs> they are flying yeah. cockroaches is what they are. <laughs> yeah. So there are lots of reasons to be freaked out by them. But to Elizabeth's point, we also know they're not actually a threat to us, especially compared to, say, a mosquito. Exactly. Precisely. My clients find it really, really helpful to ask very specific questions like, what am I really afraid of? Well, for example, if it reached me, what does my reacting brain say is going to happen? What is my reacting brain predicting, assuming? What do the facts say? So you're trying to have your higher level functioning part of your brain talk to the lower level and hold up its assumptions to the light. Is that right? Exactly. To articulate the fears, to to really say, and if that happened, then what? It's having a great deal of curiosity, open, respectful curiosity Hmm. about why the reacting brain is responding so intensely. So listening with curiosity, but not with credulity. Oh, interesting distinction. I like that. So that's our next takeaway. We can start to disarm our fears by, ironically, leaning into them, assigning words and details to the feelings, which means inviting in curiosity without credulity. So ask yourself, what do I think might happen here? And then what? And then what? But let's be real, right? It's pretty hard to investigate your fears this way when you're convinced that a cockroach is about to jump on your face. You want to have a tool to tolerate the nasty, miserable misfiring of the fear and panic response. And that could be low, slow breathing. It could be muscle relaxation. It could be mindful attention to the realities of the present, understanding that that fears and feelings and thoughts come, but they also go. You don't necessarily have to believe them. Some technique where you can say, look, I'm, I may never like those cockroaches. I mean, I may always dislike them and be pretty disgusted, and I'm not going to change from being a chemist to an entomologist. <laughs> you know, and my reaction doesn't necessarily have to determine what I do. This reminds me of one of the most valuable mindfulness techniques I've learned. 
besides, you know, basic rhythmic breathing. It's called labeling. You just say to yourself, okay, that's a thought, or that's a feeling. <laughs> it's funny because it sounds so ridiculous, but when I do it, I find that the thought does kind of fade into the background. It essentially puts a little space between you and the emotional reaction. That's actually helpful because um, I would say that, that a second stage of the fear would be, oh, this is going to be just another reminder that I'm afraid of them and I don't want to be. Ah. Uh, and what Amanda just said about labeling that, uh, and you said about uh, saying that, okay, I will be scared probably. It will uh, maybe misfire. Have the courage to think about what scares you more and more specifically in more and more detail because only then can you then compare to is that really true? It's certainly terrifying. Yeah. But what scares us may or may not be true. So to recap, in order to overcome a fear, we first need to tolerate the discomfort using those coping tools like breathing or labeling. Then we can try to interrogate the fear and get specific. Ask if the fear is as true as it feels. Then you can move on to step three. Which is the facts give your thinking brain the courage to go against your reacting brain. And I think of it as like overriding. You've got the fear pathway and you're trying to create an alternate neural pathway oh. of, okay, I don't like it, but it's not dangerous. Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's yeah. why it's safe to do this. I think of taking an attitude of what I describe as compassionate firmness. The compassionate is, I know you're scared. I know this is hard. You've been scared for years. Of course it scares you. I understand. And you're trying to protect me. Hmm. And look, you're sending a false alarm. This is causing way more problems than we need. Hear what the facts say. So we're going to act on the facts. I know you're scared. What we're going to do with the facts say. And that changes the narrative about everything. And it turns, it potentially, what it does is it turns every now, every episode of anxiety or, or experience with a cockroach into what I call an AFOG. Another, we'll just translate that F as fabulous, opportunity for growth. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I love the fact that you're uh, talking about a a conversation between uh, the two parts of the brain, like you said, because I was under the impression that I should silence one part. And now, mm. and now I'm hearing that uh, that, first of all, is uh, pretty much impossible. And secondly, isn't worth doing. Hmm. Peter, you're absolutely right. That's absolutely a brilliant summary. So you're feeling the fear, acknowledging right. it, right? tolerating it. And then right? going on stage anyway. Yes. And meanwhile, also, before, during, and afterwards, reminding yourself about why you're doing it, why you're acting this way, yes. and praising yourself. Because, you know, it takes courage to deal with fear. And you're doing this and remembering why you're doing this. You're, you're making this changed action because you want your life to be better. 
Coming up, we're going to actually create another fabulous opportunity for growth. We'll stare directly into a cockroach's beady little eyes and put all of these techniques to the test. Well, actually, Peter's gonna do all that, but we are gonna watch. Don't chicken out now, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. If you rely on how-to, the best way to support this show is by joining Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Signing up for Slate Plus helps us help all the people you hear on our podcast every week. It's only $1 for the first month, and members will never hear another ad on our podcast or any other Slate podcast. You'll also get free and total access to Slate's website. Plus, you'll be supporting our important work. So... I hope you'll join if you can. Again, it's just $1 for your first month. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash howto plus. Again, that's slate.com slash howto plus. Thanks. We're back with Dr. Elizabeth McMahon and our listener Peter, who's working through his fear of cockroaches. Elizabeth often uses virtual reality techniques to help her patients confront their fears in a safe environment. We don't have a VR headset for Peter right now, but we're going to ask him to look at a gruesome picture of a cockroach that our producer Derek found online. And Elizabeth is going to walk us through in real time what he should do. So there's the link in the Zoom chat. Yeah. I'm going to click on it as well. So you're not alone. I hate these things. Oh. Oh my God. <laughs> look at that creepy little bastard. Yeah. Oh. He's got like 
what are those like little spikes? I don't know what the technical term is on his legs. Yeah, that, that's that's the first thing I saw too, and also the the little um, things at the end, the sticking, the parts that are sticking out. Uh-huh. I don't know what that is. Right, looks menacing. It looks like and the homes. antenna. Don't let's not get started. Yeah. Okay. So do you do you hear do you hear the narrative that you guys are putting on this? Yeah. Words like menacing, talking. creepy, horrible. Right. Words program our brain. So really listening to the words you're using, whenever you're dealing with any kind of fear, and then thinking, are there other words? Or is there another way I could think about it? How would somebody who's not afraid of this? How would they describe it? How what would they be thinking about it? Hmm. Yeah. Peter, what would somebody who's not afraid of this be thinking right now, do you think? I don't know. I guess something like, uh, oh, I know that one. <laughs> right. The, a such and such species. Right. That's the American cockroach, uh, the standard. Yeah. Uh... It's probably a female. I don't know. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I Actually, right now, my cat moved uh, behind me and I saw its shadow. And, and I, I was looking at the image simultaneously, so it's like, oh, no. <laughs> so you jumped, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you face a fear, there's some research that indicates that if you spend between one to three hours facing what you're afraid of, uh, it has a big impact. Because in a sense, the adrenaline mm. surge happens quickly, you know, the immediate emotional, uh, response. But as you stay there, particularly if you go over the facts and you think, well, an entomologist would say this was wonderful, you know, um, over time, after 60 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours, you know, you almost get to the point where like bored. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cockroach, cockroach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. So you were, ask, you were asking me all this question to stall me in front of the picture. So. <laughs> yeah, what are you, are you busy for the next three hours? Uh, <laughs> now Derek is sending more images. You yeah. don't have to, don't feel like you Thanks. have to click on that. <laughs> no, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> Okay, this is the last one, Peter, yeah. I promise. That you, yeah. <laughs> can you tell us, what do you see for the listeners? Uh, yeah, so there's clearly a cockroach uh, uh, standing uh, in, in a kitchen sink near the drain. And it re- immediately reminded me of the time I saw a small antenna sticking out of the, of the drain. And I thought it was some hair that didn't wash away. And I almost grabbed it, and uh, I saw that it like had that weird slow move, mm. and uh, immediately it uh, clicked that it uh, wasn't a hair. So did and, you touch and it? The, and by the no, and by that time it uh, <laughs> it uh, quickly jumped out of the hole and into the the sink. Uh, luckily for me, it couldn't uh, get out, so down the drain it went again. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, I can feel myself being unhelpful. Elizabeth, what would be a better (laughs) response? (laughs) Okay, so again, right, remember, fear can make you scared, but that doesn't mean it's justified. There's There's a great phrase in cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, don't believe everything you think. Oh, that's nice. I have this on my wall. 
True story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I should get it tattooed, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So remember, don't believe everything you think. And if you're not ready for exposure therapy or virtual reality, you can always just revisit an old memory in a new way. This is something that many of my clients find very, very helpful is going back over some scary memories and writing down first what happened, what they saw, what they felt, what they thought, the emotions, the the senses, and then going back and saying, now, if I could go back with what I know now, with, with what I understand about getting over fear, with what I've learned about cockroaches actually being safe, what would I tell my younger self? Hmm. And like relive that memory, but now with a wiser self guiding you through. Hmm. Yeah. What would you tell the the younger Peter who had a cockroach crawling up his leg in the shower? <laughs> I would say carefully but firmly shake it off and mm-hmm. exit the shower until it goes back uh, into the drain. Mm-hmm. And maybe as you were saying earlier, Peter, you know, realizing all it did was it was a few seconds of like tickling on the foot and then it went back under the drain. Yeah. It reminds me of, I grew up in a home with a lot of anxiety about germs. For whatever reason, my mom was very anxious about germs, Mm -hmm. especially in the bathroom (laughs) or the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And whenever we go to a hotel, it was like a big ordeal. That room had to be extra clean. We had to wash all the dishes again and that kind of thing. And then I had my son and I remember vividly this time we went to the zoo in DC where we live and he had to go to the bathroom and he was really little, you know, he was like two. And so of course he's touching everything and it's a public bathroom and it's packed with kids. And so it's (laughs) triggering all my worst fears. Right. And we're in the bathroom stall standing next to the toilet. He's touching everything, touching the toilet and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, look, don't touch your hands to your face until we can wash them. And he looked right in my eyes and he licked one hand and then the other. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> it was like a dare almost, you know. And then, you know what? He was fine. <laughs> and you know, that's the benefit of doing what you're afraid of. Thank you to Peter for courageously talking about his fear with us and for putting up with Derek messaging you pictures of cockroaches. Don't worry, if we ever figure out his worst fear, we'll let you know so you can get revenge. And a big thank you to Dr. Elizabeth McMahon. The work she is doing with VR is fascinating and extremely timely. She's actually been using VR to help people get over their needle phobias in order to get their COVID vaccines. We'll link to her advice on managing a fear of needles in the show notes. Is there something bugging you? Send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. We'd love to have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us five stars in Apple or Spotify. It really does help us reach more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rosemary Belson produces the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. 
Special thanks to Amber Smith and to Derek Johnson, who designed our new how-to artwork. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Amanda Ripley. Thanks for listening.